Listeners, welcome back to Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries Unity in Christ program. If this is your first time listening, my name is Christine Kim, and I am the host of this program. When listening to the news and stories about the happenings of the world, you realize how fast the world moves. In the midst of all the chaos, you see how busy one everyone lives. Even now, I live a pretty busy and fast-paced life. It's not like this now, but there used to be a time in my life where I lived being chased by time. It has become very natural and ordinary for people to greet each other nowadays, asking them how busy they are. If for some reason I wasn't as busy, I felt very unproductive and nervous that I wasn't moving along at the same pace as the rest of the society. People of the secular world believe that as everyone is given 24 hours in a day, the result of your life comes from how effectively you use your time. There's even an expression people say, "Time is gold," emphasizing how important time is in our lives. There are also scriptures of encouragement regarding time written in the Bible. Paul says this to the Ephesus church in Ephesians chapter five, verse fifteen and sixteen: "Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil." In verse sixteen, it says, "Making the best use of the time." This doesn't mean what we think it means. Meaning we should use our time in the most efficient and effective manner, but instead it holds a different meaning, and we'll come back to share more after our first song. Praise is rising, eyes are turning to you. We turn to you.
The word time in making the best use of the time in the original language is kairos. In the original language, they say there are two words that define and refer to time, which are chronos and kairos. Chronos represents civil times that clocks and watches are set to. It refers to the minutes and seconds, the time as a measurable source. This type of time is designed to follow the sun. The full cycle of the Earth represents 24 hours, and when it revolves in one complete circle around the Sun, it completes one full year. The other word kairos means an appointed time or an opportune moment, and it is referenced especially referring to God's time in which He has planned and set. When Paul said to make the best use of time, he wasn't referring to chronos, but kairos time. Also, when he says to make the best use, In the original language, the word exagerasso holds meanings of restrain, rescue, or redeem. So Paul was trying to tell us to save or redeem time. But what exactly does this meaning hold? I started by thinking deeply of the word redeem. This is a very basic question, but why did Jesus have to save us? Because our sins led us to death. As sin entered into the Garden of Eden. We lost our everlasting life that God gave us. This also means that we lost our eternal time, the everlasting time we would have had to spend in His kingdom. But He graciously gave us a new life, and in order to do that, He gave up His one and only Son to die on the cross for us, shedding all His blood. The cross that I was supposed to die on, the suffering that I was supposed to receive, Jesus suffered for me and gave back to us our everlasting life. He was born in the most humbling place and died the most humbling death. He came down on this earth to fulfill just that and completed what he came to do. He saved us who had to die and redeemed our time that we lost. Through his redemption, we have been allowed new time. By the price of his blood, this time was graciously given to us. Knowing this, how can we waste this time living just like the rest of the world? How can we use this time for our own success and safety? The Bible is telling us to redeem our time that Jesus gave to us, that this world is wasting away. 
the time that he paid for by the price of his death. But how can we redeem that time? It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 18, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. My foes are many, they rise against me, but I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war, I will not fear the storm, my help is on the way, my help is on the way.
Coming up next is a sermon by Pastor Mark Martin of Calvary Community Church of Phoenix, Arizona. Today's topic is Practicing to Love, Part 2, based on the scriptures of 1 John chapter 3, verse 19-24. through 24. I hope you have a blessed time as you join Pastor Mark Martin. I remember one time I went to a big church here in town. They were having a, um, a program, and the kids were singing, and, and they had all the cameras on, and they were videotaping it for television broadcasts later. And it was just a sweet children's choir, huge children's choir. And the choir was beautiful, every, and it was going along, all except for one little guy who everybody was singing, ah, da, 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 and he was, ah, 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 you know, it was just like, oh, and he was right near a mic. And we never saw that on TV. The whole thing was like scrapped, you know, because of one person singing out of harmony. It was cute, but it was kind of sad at the same time. But when you grow up, it's not cute anymore. People think, you know, there's something wrong. So if you're the only one singing on that, and it doesn't sound good with all the other brothers and sisters, chances are it's not everybody else singing the wrong note. Then the Bible says that we ought to build one another up. And this is another really cool way to show our love for one another. Because he says, look, practice it. Practice love. And so it's one thing for, I know we think, okay, love, and it's just like love, L-U-V, you know, love. So how do we do it? How do I do love? How do I love? How do I practice to love? Because you have to almost say it differently to get love. We can just say love one another, okay, but I don't get that anymore. How do I practice to love? Okay, by building one another up. When you see somebody, you go, hey, you know, you're blessing to me. You see somebody, and you encourage them in the Lord. Maybe you've read a verse, and, and you just feel like you're just being friendly. I'm really, frankly, the greeting one another is building somebody up. Oh, there's so many ways that you can build people up. Give them a phone call if you haven't seen them. Let them know that you miss them. Give a card to them. Somebody's grieving like we hear. Send a note to the church. You know, there's just so many ways to build one another up. Don't get tired ever of doing that. And people are drawn to people who build them up. So you'll find yourself also being encouraged because you encourage other people. Accept one another. Accept one another. That's A-C-C, not E-X. Accept one another. We're not all going to be the same, and we're going to have, you know, our various backgrounds, and somebody's not going to dress the way you like, or somebody's not going to talk. You know, we're all coming in at different stages into this Jesus experience, so we have to have a whole lot of acceptance. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't any standards and there aren't any, you know, there's no kind of a common basis for, for what we all kind of agree on. But there's a whole lot of room for us to not be judging one another. So we just kind of have to back off a little and, and be very accepting, like we would want to be accepted, Admonish and warn one another. Now, this kind of is the other side of things. There is a time when the most loving thing you can do to somebody is say, whoa, you got to watch out because if you continue the way you're heading, you're going to crash. It's going to mess your life up. I just want to encourage it. You, know, you, you do this and generally, you, know, you kind of earn the right in someone's life to say that. 
But it is a loving thing to warn. And uh, you want to do it with love and do it in gentleness and meekness, considering yourself, because it could be you that somebody might want to warn about something. But just be careful about that, that we don't offend as we warn. Because if, do, if you don't do warning the right way, then people won't heed you because they're offended by you. You know what I'm saying? Those, you'll be the reason, well, they were so rude to me. And, you know, you just want to get you out of the way so it's really just the Lord and the issue and not the messenger. Wait. Wait for one another. There was the issue in the New Testament church where they were all uh, getting together and, and some people got off work later. This is kind of a paraphrase of it, but it's really what it was. And they were having the Lord's Supper and not waiting for one another. And the Apostle Paul admonishes the, the Corinthians. He says, look, you should wait for one another. And there's times when I know we want to race on in doing something and we get impatient because maybe a brother or sister in Christ is a little slower, but we do kind of have to slow down our walk sometimes for the younger ones, don't we? Anybody who has a bigger family, you know that you just can't take your giant strides. Sometimes you have to go the pace of the youngest. But that's the loving thing to do. And so we slow down a little. I'm not being fed. These things are basic. Wah, wah, wah. You are being fed. You're just not getting, you know, something with a fancy French name on it. It's hamburger. You know what I'm saying? It's okay. You don't have to have filet mignon every, every night. Okay. I'm not saying that about tonight. Of course, I'm feeding you. Caring for one another. I love to look out at the uh, church and see how there'll be different groups in the church, find out of needs that people have, and, and they'll go. And I, I think of one, one person, their uh, home was devastated, and, and a whole Sunday school class went in, and they, they redid the whole thing for them. I was just, from top to bottom, I mean, it was like one of those TV remodel shows you'd see. You never heard a word about it. But it, it was caring that went on. There's caring going on all the time. And as we feed those who don't have enough food, as we care for others' needs, and, you know, we just don't blow the horn every time it happens, but it's happening all the time in our church. And among, you know, we just never hear. We don't know all of the stories about how people have cared for one another. Hospital visits, the prayers that go on, the flowers that go out, people who go and wait and for other people and babysit their kids so that they can do something. I mean, it's just sweet. And that's the way you, you show love. It's practical, right? Serving one another, being patient with one another, bearing one another's burdens, being kind to one another, sharing songs with one another, the Bible says, is another way that we show love. Just singing together is expressing love, the Bible says. Comforting one another. Submitting to one another. Living in peace with one another. Confessing our sins to one another. Being hospitable to one another. You want to come over to my house? Can I come over to your house? Want to go out to eat? That's hospitality. That's biblical. I can get into that. Amen. Fellowshipping with one another. Now, there are some things that the New Testament tells us not to practice. It says, don't lie to one another. See, lying breaks trust, doesn't it? It takes a long time to build trust back once it's been 
broken down. Don't lie to one another. Don't bite and devour one another. Don't be a Christian piranha. You know, that little symbol on the back of a car is not a piranha. Don't envy one another. Oh, look what, look what she has. Look what he's driving. Look where they live. Oh, man, look at their job. Look at their income. Look at their sa- Don't envy one another. Again, it goes back to what we're constantly talking about, that God has a purpose for me. God has a plan for me. God's intentions for me are good. I'm going to be happy with that because I know I'm loved. I know I'm right where God wants me to be, not somewhere else. And heaven's my home eventually anyway. Heaven's, heaven's a destination. And in heaven, again, the streets are gold. Gold is asphalt in heaven. It's not particularly valuable in God's sight. You know what I'm saying? Don't sue one another, the Bible says. Christians shouldn't sue one another. Don't irritate one another. Don't gossip or speak against one another. And we could be looking at all these, everything I'm saying, every single thing, there is at least one or more verses in the New Testament teaching these things. So, I mean, this is just the overview. I'm not giving you the references. You've got the computer software. You can do it yourself. Don't gossip. Don't speak against or speak evil of one another. And when we live this way, we're free from self-condemnation and the accusations of a guilty conscience. Verse 18. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Another characteristic of God's children is that we have confidence before God. Verse 19, we shall know by this that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. In whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God in whatever we ask. We receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. I've just read you the commandments. And he says, we do these things and we can have confidence before God. I mean, when you're living in a way that pleases daddy, you can confidently come up to dad and you can say, dad, is it okay if I get, dad, is it okay? Would you please give me, but if you're doing everything you know your dad doesn't want you to do, you're not going to have the confidence to come up and say, You've been told, clean your room. You don't. You come up and you say, Dad, can I have a new Lego thing? Is your room clean? Isn't that what you're going to say? Is your room clean? No. What? Tell me what I'm going to say. Go back and clean your room first, and then we'll talk. Am I bad? No. It's just, you got to do what I've said, then you can come. The scenario would be, clean your room. Comes back. Is your room clean? Did you clean your room like I asked you? Oh, yeah. Dad, could I have a Lego thing? Well, you're doing what I'm asking you to do. Now, not cleaning the room doesn't mean he's not my son. Not cleaning the room doesn't mean he's evicted. You know what I'm saying? But it's a matter of obedience. And don't come asking for something when you're living in disobedience because God is going to say, go clean your what? room. Do what I ask you to do. And then let's say they go, well, so you're saying I'm not your son? You're saying I'm not your child because you're not giving me what I want? Because I'm not doing what you said? How ridiculous. No, you can't stop being my child. Sometimes we say, you'll always be my child. You can't be unborn. So there is this sweet confidence that we can have. 
Now, we have assurance before God. We have assurance of our salvation based on what Jesus has done. We have assurance in prayer and confidence from God also when our conscience is clean and doesn't condemn us. And that's John's point here. He's saying, I'm giving you the commandments of God. I'm giving you Jesus' teachings. And the word incidentally for commands, we keep his commandments, verse 22, is the word ontele in Greek, not the word namos for law or ten commandments. It's talking about the teachings of Christ, which are bigger than the ten commandments. They're far more heart-searching than the law could ever have been. And that's the teaching of the New Testament saying that Christ has expanded and the apostles have expanded the law. And, and actually, you know, you could keep the letter of the old law and say, well, you know, I'm lusting all day, but I haven't committed adultery, you know, actually. And Jesus came along and he says, well, my definition of adultery is if you even think it, you're guilty. That's not Moses' definition of it. You understand? The law is spiritual and can only be, Christ's teaching can only be fulfilled in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's just one of the things the Scripture talks about. And the list I gave you was just the love one another's. It wasn't some, all the things that the Scripture says, hey, you know, in terms of Christian behavior and all. Um, whatever we ask, verse 22, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. Whatever we ask, actually the Greek says, whatever we keep on asking for we receive from him. There's always in prayer this element of um, many times the Lord wants us to ask with a sense of anticipation and persistence. Persistence is important in prayer. We don't always get what we want the very first time. When, can I go back to Legos? When my son gets his Lego catalog, which we wait for all the time, can we go check the mail? Let's go check the mail, Dad. So we go and we check the mail. When he gets it, then he's looking at it and he wants everything in it. Everything. Oh, Dad, I really like this. I really like this. Look at this. I really want this. I want this. Oh, Dad, look, the super pucha watcha kunab. I mean, these names are crazy. I was laughing with one of the pastors how I think they actually take words and they scramble them and then moms and dads have to try to say them. And so he, he wants everything. And what I kind of do is I wait to see what really settles down. What does he really want, you know? And he knows if it's $299, when you get a job, you can buy it. But he knows he has, he has a chance at the 1995 thing, or the, you know, because generally dad's a softy and, you know. So, but I, I wait because I really want to know, what do you really want? You want everything right now, but really. And then we kind of wait for circumstances. And that's the way Father in Heaven is many times with us. Well, do you really, really want it? And sometimes the waiting period and the persisting in prayer is just changing us a little. As you pray, you're changed too. And the purpose of prayer many times is simply God using that time to bring me around just a little bit and change me. So he says, I'm going to give you confidence in prayer. The confidence is 
When you're living in a way that's pleasing to me, you know you can run to me with confidence. And your, your conscience isn't condemning you and saying, oh, come on. You know what you've done. You can't do that. And so we have spiritual assurance on the one side because of Christ's finished work. On the other hand, I want to live morally right, and I want to do what Jesus says, loving my brothers and sisters in Christ, believe in Jesus Christ, because that just keeps me with a clean conscience. It's hard to be a Christian with a guilty conscience. If your guilt is for sins past, that has been forgiven at the cross. If your guilt is for sins present, bring it to Jesus. Ask him to forgive you. We've already seen he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and then stop sinning. Corey Ten Boom said that a sin that hasn't been stopped is a sin that hasn't really been repented of. She's right. True repentance means I'm going to stop going that way. And you might have to stop 50 times before you overcome. There's a learning curve in victory many times. Just don't stop. If you're going to fall, fall forward, brothers and sisters. Fall forward looking to Jesus saying, oh, I tripped, pick me back up, but keep a clean conscience as much as you can. Don't deliberately sin. You will just, the enemy will beat you up with it. And so the apostle John is warning us about that and then telling us about the joy that we have when we're just walking with the Lord and we're keeping our consciences clear. When we need to get that shower, we just say, Lord, cleanse my walk. My walk got dirty. Please cleanse me. We go on. And then he says, this is the commandment. He says, these are the commands that Christians are to follow. Christianity can be boiled down to two great commandments. He says, first of all, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. Secondly, that we love one another just as he commanded us. And the one who keeps his commandment abides in him, and he in him, and we know by this that he abides in us by the Spirit which he has given us. I like the way Eugene Peterson in the message translates verses 23 and 24. Listen to what he says. Again, this is God's command to believe in his personally named Son, Jesus Christ. He told us to love each other in line with the original command. As we keep His commands, we live deeply and surely in Him. And He lives in us. And this is how we experience His deep and abiding presence in us. By the Spirit He gave us. We experience Jesus in us by the Holy Spirit. And tonight as we draw near to Jesus in worship, in prayer, in giving gifts and offerings to the Lord, in communion, the Spirit will bear witness in our hearts. We're children of God. Father in heaven, if you can imagine just a loving daddy sitting down by you and just putting his arm around you and saying, oh, it's good to be sitting with you tonight. That's God's heart toward you. Lord, we thank you that we can have great confidence because we know that your love for us is, is never changing. Lord, we want your love to live through us. We want to be like you, Daddy. And we want to love one another. Lord, you've told us how we can practice to love now. You've shown us some things, and some of us have, there are certain things we've heard tonight that have stuck. And, and those things, Lord, give us opportunities to practice. 
whether it's tonight, tomorrow, the weeks to come.
are listening to Unity in Christ, the English hour in our broadcast program. Here at Heart and Soul Gospel Ministries, we strive to connect our listeners to engage with a community of believers as one body under Christ. Since 2000, we have dedicated our lives to make disciples of all nations through radio broadcasting. We are always encouraged to hear from you, so if you have any comments or testimonies that you would like to share, please feel free to email us at askhsgm at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Heart and Soul Podcasts on iTunes for weekly sermons. To learn more, visit heartandsoul.org. There are people who gave up their lives in honor of Christ who gave us our everlasting life. Continued is a story of the many people who endured their life with faith, titled The Voice of the Martyrs. Hello listeners, this is Rhonda Walker with The Voice of the Martyrs. After Jesus was whipped, ridiculed, and crucified, Christians walked a similar path throughout history. Yet we know that their stories did not end there. Their stories are to resume when they are reunited with Christ. Learning about the lives of martyrs, we sometimes wonder that if we are ever called to face such hardship and persecution, will we be able to stand strong just as they did? Such thoughts may end with us shaking our head and concluding that we are probably too weak to endure. However, is enduring pain a special talent given to certain types of people? Is there a certain group of people who are better at enduring pain? Ibaragi Kun, whom we shared about a few weeks ago, was only 12 years old when he was executed for his faith in Christ. According to the historical record, he screamed not even once during the process of crucifixion. Would this have been because he's gifted in enduring pain? The answer is no. The source of such perseverance does not lie in human nature, but comes from knowing our God who saves. God who calls us to salvation freely gives us the strength and peace to walk the road of salvation. Even if we face distractions and obstacles, God who guides us on the road enables us to continue walking in His salvation. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6-7 Yes, God promises us that when we tell God everything, ask and pray with a grateful heart, he will provide and guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. If we are persecuted for believing in the name of Christ, what would we ask God to give us? Our business? Our unrealized dreams? Our children's success? Probably not. More likely, we would be praying for deliverance and the strength to endure, perhaps even giving thanks for suffering in the name of Christ. God's grace is sufficient for us no matter what we're going through. 
It is in difficult times that God's grace through His Holy Spirit who lives inside us provides unimaginable peace. In the early 1500s, there was a martyr named Michael Sattler for whom the world was not worthy. Michael dreamed of revitalizing the church by bringing back sacrificial love, peace, and generosity from the early church. During his time, the Roman Catholic Church used to make everyone go through a sprinkling baptism in order to qualify for citizenship. Facing the Roman Catholic Church, Michael Sattler argued that baptism should not be for the sake of citizenship, but only as a mature decision made independently to follow Christ. The Roman Catholic Church began to oppress Michael and anyone who agreed with him. The Roman Catholic Church doled out the harsh punishment of cutting out their tongues so they could no longer talk to other people. Then their bodies were burned with a hot iron, and lastly, they were thrown into burning flames. Kill them, let them die. The execution and torturing of Michael Sattler began in the marketplace. In order to prevent Sattler from speaking, the executor cut his tongue off first. Then, the executor used a burning iron to burn Sattler's body. Usually people were only ironed once, but the executor ironed Sattler's body five times. Once he was done, people took Sattler's body on a wagon and tied him to a pole on top of a fire. Sattler did not scream once. He continuously prayed for those who were executing him, just like Jesus and Stephen had done. The flame spread onto his clothes and body. The flame burnt up the rope that was tying his hands. Sattler raised his freed hands, giving a sign with his two fingers to his brothers in Christ as he fell into the flame. Why did Michael raise his hand to show his two fingers? Before the execution, he knew about the process of execution. He knew that his tongue would be cut out first. Before he was arrested, he shared with his family in Christ that if he were ever arrested and tortured by having his tongue cut out, he would use his two fingers to signal that the pain was bearable. This was why the moment the rope was burned and his hands became free, Michael raised his two fingers while being burned to death to show his family in Christ who were there watching that even the pain of death was bearable for the faith. The world can never separate a person from God's salvation because the one who is guarding our souls is our Father God. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 38-39 We conclude this week's episode of The Voice of the Martyrs.
Paul tells us to make the best use of our time because the days are evil. This means that we should not waste our time during these evil days and let our chronos time just slip by our feet and do the same things as the people of the secular world do, but to redeem the kairos time that our Jesus gave us. A wise person is someone who knows God, someone who is focused on God's will and living by his means rather than their own ways. Let us live not by our own purpose, but by the purpose of God and let us live in this time being immersed by the Holy Spirit. When we live by the ways of God's purpose, we are redeeming the everlasting time He gave us. And to do this, the Bible tells us we must receive and be filled by the Holy Spirit. As it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, Make the best use of time as the days are evil. 
This doesn't mean to do the most we can by using our time efficiently. This means that we may not lose the opportunity given to us living in God's time, doing what He desires from us, and choosing to do what He asks of us. And through those opportunities, Paul is asking us to make the best use of our time. To the place that He has called us to be, for the purpose that He has called us to live, I hope all of our listeners may remember His will, be filled by the Holy Spirit, and live lives redeeming the time He has graciously given to us. We will now wrap up Unity in Christ. Thank you for listening as it has been my pleasure. I hope to see you this time again next week, and God bless. Praise unbroken, praise unending, be yours, be yours forevermore. Praise untainted, praise unfading, be yours, be yours forevermore. Be yours, be yours forevermore. Unbroken praise, be yours, God, forever. All my praise, be
run my words and let my life out. Weigh my songs, unbroken praise be yours.